off like a knucklehead. Okay? Welcome back to the Chase Brewster Show. I am your host, Chase Brewster. Today we have a very, very special guest, someone who, as being a hometown legend, I've always looked up to personally, um, someone who has done uh, a great deed and, and really helped advance baseball, both in, in where we're from in Texarkana and across uh, the state of Texas, and someone who I've really got to, to kind of watch grow up and has, has known me since uh, I was a youth. Uh, we are very, very excited to have Texas State head coach Stephen Trout on the Chase Brewster Show today. How are you doing, Coach? I'm doing great, man. Excited to be on the podcast and uh, looking forward to talking some baseball, some Northeast Texas, a little bit of everything. So I appreciate you having me on. You know, it's uh, as somebody who's known you for, and I, I don't know, 20 years now, it's impossible to get you on the phone at times. And I know even more uh, impossible to book you for an hour to get you on a podcast. So I'm very, very, very appreciative, probably more than you'll ever know. Um, and, and I appreciate you. I, today's the first day of team practice. I know you guys are getting ready to have another great, uh, successful season in Bobcat land. So just want to say from the bottom of my heart, man, I appreciate uh, you taking time out to be on the show today. It really means a lot. No, absolutely. So I, yeah, with, with two young kids, I think, I think sometimes that's half the battle of, of getting them to bed and then making, making the phone calls and getting it going. So, but no, we're excited for today, but uh, now, man, it's been fun to follow, follow your path and your career from, from meeting, I think when you're in ninth grade to, to what you're doing now for, uh, you know, baseball um, all over the country, but especially for our area back home and giving guys opportunity to go, go play at the next level and be seen and, and uh, create that buzz. So, um, you know, we didn't have all that um, with, with the select baseball and everything. So really, really fun to see and, and excited to where you take it next. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. I, I can remember you running the button stations at our camps back when I was in high school. And, and uh, I mean, I, I remember like it was yesterday, you and all those guys, Teddy Hubbard, and just everybody from the whole area coming back and working the Texas high camp. So it, it's been a long run. And, uh, you know, you I voice to you. I mean, I get uh, I get fired up at times. Just, you know, it's it's like, Hey, it's way easier to be Stephen Trout than it is to be Slade Heathcott at times, especially in Texarkana. And uh, it's great to be a really good athlete. But what you've done on the on the coaching uh, field and your coaching resume is just as impressive as as being a big leaguer on the field, in my opinion. You've you, you've took a long road here. You've you've had some great stops along the way, and you've really built something special in San Marcos. And uh, kind of want to dive into that. We'll start with. Uh, obviously played at Hooks High School, Hooks Hornets, one of the many, many great infielders to come uh, out of Hooks, Justin Welch and, and uh, Shane Halter and, and all those guys, man, uh, to take me to that journey and uh, from Hooks High School. And you decided to go to Texarkana College out of, out of high school, which a place that means a lot to all of us. You were actually the last head coach there before they got rid of the athletic program. So uh, kind of take me through your time as a small town infielder and uh, I'm sure played American Legion, I'm assuming, and, and ended up at Texarkana College and, and playing on a World Series team in 2005. 
Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun journey. It's been a long journey, but uh, I think that's what what builds people up and what gives them a great story. And so, you know, starting back, um, you know, probably the, the coolest part of just growing up, we actually shared the same drive through or the, or the same driveway with the high school baseball field. So literally my they hit foul mm. balls off top of our roof all the time uh, when the field was now where the softball field is. And so, um, I mean, pretty much when I got home from school, it was drop the bags off and just go next door and and start uh, catching in for Coach Welch and and uh, watch my brother play and and so I've I've been on the field ever since I could walk and so that was just unbelievable for for my career of one being around those older guys as you talked about with with Shane and Justin and, and all those guys and so uh, we get to see it from from a young age and then you know obviously just waiting your turn and your time but when you get into high school to uh, to get to go play and of course they moved the field um, on the other side of, of the football stadium which is unbelievable and so. Uh, but yeah, it, it was great times and hooks. And so we, we had a really good team my sophomore year, um, had some guys that could, that could really play and ran into a really good Liberty Ilo team with Brandon Jones. Um, and I think the fourth round, third round, fourth round. And, uh, and so, yeah, memorable times, but yeah, I got to play under coach Welch. Um, and so obviously learned a lot from him just from a, uh, from a, from a uh, practice standpoint and, and having our guys to, to get out there. And, and I think with high school baseball, you know, with our with our groups, you know, we have roughly forty guys in our program here at Texas State. You know, in high school, especially the big high schools, you got a, a freshman team, a JV team, a high school team. You gotta you gotta be really really organized. So I think some of the most organized people out there are the, are the high school coaches um, that have to organize. You know, three to four different teams and, and get them all the the same work. So, uh, but yeah, working under Coach Welch was awesome. Played for for Coach Colley there with with the American Legion team, and and we we were stacked, man. We had. Um, some really good guys, obviously Drew Stubbs hit right in our three holes. So that's a pretty good guy to, uh, to, to hit behind. And so it was a really talented team that was, uh, really successful, made it down to, I think the regional finals, um, up in Kansas city. And so, um, and then, yeah, pretty much when I got done with my playing days, really my only shot, my only chance was to walk on at Texarkana. And so we played our games there at the field and, and got a chance to, uh, play for coach Banzinger and, and hop on. And so struggled. Struggled our first year. We I think we only had three sophomores our freshman year, and uh, you know had a chance to really uh, you know grow up there. Obviously in the weight room, but also mentally, uh, coach was tough on us and made us tougher tougher men and, and made us better baseball players. That was also when I got introduced to my current pitching coach, Coach Massengale. Uh, that oh, was yeah. his first that was his first pitching job um, out of school, and so got to connect with him. And then yeah, sophomore year had a great run, ended up making it to the to Grand Junction in the World Series. And uh, that, that might have been one of the best Region 14 teams through the whole conference. You know, Angelina was stacked with, with uh, Clay Buckholz and Josh Tomlin. And, and, uh, and so they had some really good players, but it was good top to bottom. Um, and then, yeah, led, led me to my journey. I had a lot of different options I could have went to um, and kind of just held out. I didn't sign to go to TCU out of Texarkana until um, after the draft in July. They lost an infielder to the draft and then, uh, called me up. And so, and that was kind of before, you know, they've done what they've done. And so uh, it was kind of neat to hop in there with coach Schlossnagel and coach Whitting and, and try to figure out how to build that program up and take it to where it is today. And so won won a couple of championships there. And, and I tell people all the time, my journey from a playing standpoint, not to, not to brag on myself, but to understand, Hey, I walked on to my junior college. I took that route to even get to where I was getting. Um, and then more importantly, I learned under, you know, some of the best and, in college baseball today, which eventually led me to the head coaching job at Texas State. So uh, proud, proud of my playing journey. Uh, more importantly, it led me to, um, you know, what I got to do coaching-wise as well. well. When you were at Texarkana, was, was that was that 05 team the same one that had Hunter Pence on it? 
It was not. Hunter Hunter was right before us. So he was okay. I think he was there oh two, oh three or right, a couple years before us. So nope, we would we'd have been a, even better with him on there. So he, he yeah, was okay. I think right? they I think they went maybe in oh two and oh five, I think. Yep, I think um, you're right. And then um great times, obviously. Uh we, we wish they still had a program. I'm sure I speak for everybody involved and, and um, the, the run that Mansinger had, I mean, you know, there, there was, everybody gets a lot of credit, Van Horn and Deggs and, and the trouts of the world and coach bolts, but Mansinger was just as brilliant. A lot of times on the field as, as all those guys and um, Massingale, somebody I, I, we both love dearly. So uh, you start to talk about some legends in the coaching world, the Glenn Welch's, the Massingale's, the, the Mansingers on the field, the Slicenagles, the Coach Wittens. Um, at some point, I'm assuming it's becoming second nature to you that, that you're going to coach one day or uh, kind of take me through that process as you're wrapping up at TCU and had a really good career, all Mountain West player, all regional player in the Houston region, I believe. So um, your playing career is going good. You got a chance to play pro ball for a little bit. At what point do you think like, hey, this is what I want to do for a living. I want to coach. Yeah, you know, I had I had an idea from a young age that that's what I wanted to do. I obviously love sports and and love coaching and and love being on the field. So to me, you know, it, it never feels like we, we go to work any day. Obviously, we're spending time away from our family, but we we love what we do, and so it, it's a fun career. I think my biggest thing was trying to figure out was it going to be high school or was it going to be college, and I didn't really know uh, when I got to TCU. That's kind of when I fell in love with the recruiting side of it, of building your team. I saw a slosh built the program, you know, build the facilities, kind of the whole. Um, and really just a, every game day is so special in college baseball. You only get 56 of them. And so everything that went into, you know, the pregame, the postgame, um, during the game, I just I just became enamored with it. And so um, I knew when I graduated that I was probably going to hop into the coaching world um, in the in the college game. But I kind of wanted to go play one selfishly just to just kind of keep playing. And, and uh, you know, you always had the dream to go play pro baseball and thought, hey, maybe I have a good day in front of somebody but realistically I also knew that it probably wasn't going to happen so let's go do it I, I wanted to go play some some indie ball just to know what pro ball is like so when our guys asked me coach what's it what's it like when you, you when you go play even though it's not in a organization at least you know what the bus rides are like what uh you know the, the culture's like and just kind of what pro ball is all about and be able to you know talk about that and be transparent with our guys on um you know the experiences I had and so thank god I did it because it was it was awesome. Um, you know, I played in Fort Worth and played out in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, sorry, in Macon, Georgia, and then uh, finished the last year in and in, uh, in Kansas City with the T Bones. And so um, it was it was a great journey. And then you know, I, in this whole coaching world, timing's everything. Knowing people and timing is is what I tell people all the time. Is what you got to have. You got to be a little lucky with all this. And so when I came back from Kansas City, it was in August, and I kind of missed the time when everybody would get hired as a, as a volunteer or a grad assistant, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, at that semester there, I actually was interviewing for uh, medical sales jobs and, and all these other things that I was terrible interviewing for, to be honest with you. You know, every every question they asked me was, hey, what do you know about this device or know about this? And, and I just kept referring back to my playing days on adversity or toughness or uh, whatever it might be. And so they kind of, you know, through, through those, I was like, hey, man, I got to I got to coach. I can't do something else. And so Luckily, there at uh, it was it was 2008 Christmas. Uh, one of the coaches at Texas State got a pro ball job, and so everybody slid up, and, and the volunteer job became um, available. And so Coach Harrington, who I knew through recruiting and and uh, different different ways, 
uh, call me Coach Matlock, who's now the head coach at UTRGV, was our volunteer at, at TCU back in the day. He was now the recruiting guy um, at Texas State. So I knew I wanted to coach, thought I'd be okay at it. And so I came down and interviewed and started my coaching job here at Texas State in, in 2009. Um, and so I came out at semester and, and looked up and our first baseman was Paul Goschmidt. So I thought this coaching thing was was pretty simple, man. Just 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 grab guys like that every year. And, and they hit, you know, almost 20 homers and NLMVPs and, and all the above. And so that's kind of how the, the journey started of, of figuring out this is what I wanted to do. Uh, obviously, San Marcos is a special place, and it's a beautiful location. How you remember exactly how Goldschmidt ended up there? I think he played the Woodlands, maybe or um, whatever. But but Texas State's always had guys like that. Obviously, not to that extent a pro ball, but they've always had really good players that you think, hey, he probably could have played anywhere in the country, and ended up at Texas State. Kind of take me through that. What you remember at a young age of um, how, how some of these really good players skipped over some of the quote unquote, blue bloods of the state. Yeah, you know, especially through that, you know, 2009, 10, and 11, we won back-to-back-to-back conference champs. I was here for two of them as the volunteer and then uh, left the third year. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of guys just like that. And, you know, one thing I learned a lot from Coach Matlock um, and Coach Fikach in the recruiting world, and I thought what those guys did the best was, you know, they had connections, they had high school coaches, select coaches that they knew and they trusted, more importantly. They knew, they knew hey, th- this guy's going to tell me the truth. And so they figured that out really fast on who they could trust and, and take their word for it. You, and you can see everybody, but obviously there's only a certain amount of days where you can see them play um, a whole lot. And so, uh, but what they did a great job of is just, they just kept turning every rock over to try to keep figuring it out. And, you know, a guy would leave a program or there'd be a guy somewhere random and, and they would go see him and, and, uh, and make it happen. So to me, you know, it's about work ethic. It's about trying to find uh, those hidden gems out there. Obviously, you know, now we're in a little different spot where we're grabbing some some really good players, but you're still trying to go find that hidden gem that that nobody knows about, and it's really tough in this day and age with with social media and, and everything because it seems like as soon as a guy you know throws a ball over ninety, everybody knows who he is. But um, you know, you just got to continue to work, continue to make phone calls, and continue to find guys. And I thought they did a great job of that back in the day of finding guys like Goldie that were really good uh, players that were you know maybe you know hey he's a little stiff or. You know what? You know he's not a good defender, or, or whatever people might describe them as, and and try to see through that. Um, and I and I think probably one of the mixed miss boats in in recruiting, and we try to do a really good job of. Uh, but even back from the day, Coach Harrington always made us make phone calls to the high school coaches and to the select coaches to make sure not that we're just getting a great player, but make sure we're getting the right people. And I think that's important in recruiting these days, making sure we're getting the right people in your organization. And so we're going to spend more time with them in the spring than we do our families. And so we want people that are hungry. They, they get after it. Um, but like I said, most importantly, they, they fit into what you're trying to do culture-wise and family-wise. And so a lot of respect go to those guys because I felt like they did a great job uh, finding guys like Goldschmidt and Carson Smith who pitched in the big leagues and, and Kyle Kibitz, all those guys that, that you know, maybe didn't have all the, the huge offers out of high school and they turn into um, absolute studs. So you're at Texas State for two springs or, or three semesters, basically, and, and there's a lot of winning going on. Um, and at that point, you leave and you go over to Houston to become a Cougar. So take me through that process. Were you uh, looking to relocate? Did, did something just kind of fall in your lap? I mean, how did you leave your time at San Marcos and head over to Houston for a year? Yeah, no, I thought it was great. You know, and, and I think if you're if you're a successful program, uh, you know, at times you're – your assistants are going to make moves. And I think that's just part of the game. You want to keep them together as long as you can. But I think that's part of it. And I think as a, as a volunteer, I kind of, 
would go the two to three year window is kind of my goals of, you know, in the next two to three years, you know, if, if whatever works out, it's kind of time for the next move or maybe the bump up. And so uh, Coach Whitting, who was my hitting coach and recruiting guy at TCU, got the head job at U of H. And, uh, you know, he called and said, hey, I want you to come run my offense. I want you to come coach third base. Um, I want you to do a lot of things because my recruiting guy, Trip Couch, is going to be on the road 24-7. And so I need somebody that's going to be able to do a lot of things at practice. And so, uh, which, you know, responsibility-wise was a step up from from what I was doing at Texas State. I was helping Coach Fecotch with the hitters and uh, doing the catchers here. And so now I get to move over to the third base box and, and uh, help run the offense and coach the hitters and infielders. And so for me, it was just more responsibility and, and uh, just a step up. And I think it's good to you know, even though you're having it, could I could have easily stayed here at Texas State for another year. We were winning. Um, it's a great place to wake up every single day. And so to me, it was just another challenge and, a, and hopefully another step up of, hey, more responsibility and hopefully get seen to, to eventually get that paid job. And so um, he called over and and obviously what he's done at U of H from uh, from back from that year all the way till to now. Um, and the facilities have just he's done a great job. So just another great guy. Uh, that I have in my corner to, to make phone calls to all the time to to try to figure out this coaching world. Yeah, again, I mean, it's the same mantra of just great people. I mean, Coach Whitting, fantastic guy. Trip Couch is unbelievable. We wish them all the luck at Arizona this year and at Houston. Um, just continuing to keep yourself around great people, which is going to lead to – now, did y'all have a good year in 2011 at Houston? You know, we didn't, but what we did, we ended up battling in the uh, the conference tournament and uh, ended up playing Rice in the championship game. And so I thought that was kind of that, that next step we needed to take, right? We played for a championship, which you're always trying to do inside of your program. So even though our overall record wasn't great, um, you know, we ended up battling and got hot at the right time. And so, um, you know, the pitching coach on that staff was Jack Crescent, um, who's now with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. So you talk about another great human being out there. Um, and so it was a, it was a phenomenal staff uh, to be a part of and more importantly to learn from. And so, yeah, got beat on a, in a walk off. Uh, I think Wayne Graham gave the, gave the bunt sign. The guy, the guy swung through it, hit a single to right. And uh, the guy was safe at the plate. So uh, but that, that was a fun year to, to, to kind of make that stride of, hey, you get to the championship game. Now the next year you got some momentum, even though you're not playing in a regional. Uh, you got some momentum that, hey, you know, we're not not that far off. And so obviously they did a great job recruiting and building it up and uh, turning that thing around. So you, you you get you get beat on a walk off to Rice, which is I can only imagine a huge championship game, Rice versus Houston, especially ten years ago, seems like a you know sellout event. Um, and from there, Coach Bolt leaves Texarkana College and is headed to Nebraska, um, or actually, yeah, headed to Nebraska, I think, at the time. And Texarkana College has got to open it, as a guy that that still lived here. It, all these rumors and. Um, obviously you had the local ties are interviewing a, a couple big shots interviewed and a um, lot of, a lot of rumors going around. I'm, I remember Legion playing and being at a game and, um, people going, Hey, w- w- would Trout really leave division one to come back to Texas County college and, you know, being an alumni and a bulldog and obviously still having some local ties kind of take me through that process. And just, you know, I know it was exciting for you to, to get the job, but, but kind of antsy, they don't, they didn't always, as we see later do things uh as an administration that was um uh in line with everybody else so it felt like it took a little longer than normal to name you the head coach kind of take me through that process were you looking to go to junior college in general or was it more of being an alumni and just kind of how it felt when you got that call saying you, you were the new head coach 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first name, the bank account was dwindling pretty good. So, um, and so, you know, trying to try to find anything, right? When you're in those jobs, you're always just trying to, uh, you know, get get that full time job, whatever it might be. And uh, you know, there's always thoughts of going going to junior college, which I love junior college baseball. Uh, you know, when you get back at the Division One level, there was a lot of things that happened. But yeah, I was sitting. Um, you know, they they called, came down, I interviewed, and and yeah, I had a lot of inside knowledge just because I played for the program. I knew the city. I knew people in the area that could help out. And so, um, and obviously I love the place. It made me who I am today. And so really, really wanted the job. I think it would have been a different junior college job. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but with it being Texarkana, um, you know, it's just a place that just, uh, you know, lives in my heart. So I wanted to get back there and, and make it happen. And, you know, I got back and same thing you hear, Hey, this guy interviewed and, and whatever. And, and, uh, you know, for me, I knew the good Lord was going to take care of me either way. Um, and so he's got a plan and, and I just trusted in that. And I'll never forget, I was sitting, sitting with, I think about a hundred kids, um, on the, on the, on the heat in the summer in Houston and, uh, working a camp and I get the phone call that they were going to name me the next head coach. And so I, I think I left immediately to get, to get, get there and get going. And so, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, to, to go in and, and the one thing I tell you, it was a big learning experience because I think as a head coach, you know, when you're an assistant, you know, you always think you have the answers. You always think you have ideas. Uh, but then when everybody's looking for you for the answer, you know, on all phases, not just baseball-wise, but recruiting-wise, budget-wise, there's so much more on your plate. Um, and so that year was just a unbelievable learning experience for myself, you know, taking care of the field. I mean, there's just so many things that, that I go back and I learn from that experience. Obviously, we, we had a good team. I think we finished third that year, uh, made a decent run. When they, when they told us that semester they were getting rid of the program, I thought that put a little bit of, uh, you know, adversity of, of keeping these guys going because they all had questions, right? What's going to happen at the end of the year? And so sometimes uh, you want to be selfish, go, hey, I better put up numbers for myself to make sure this other school comes calling. I thought that group and my staff, you know, Lance Harvell was my assistant coach, and obviously he's crushing it at Nebraska. Um, another great person, Kirkland Rivers, was my other pitching coach who played at A&M, and, so, and he played at Texarkana. So, you know, you're around great people, and I thought they did a great job of, you know what, if this is the last one, we better make it, make it last. And so um, it, it was a great journey of just learning everything A to Z of, of how to become a head coach. And then, uh, you know, the president had just gotten hired. Uh, he is a, uh, Mr. Russell. He's a great guy. Uh, treated me completely with respect and has still helped me out uh, to this day. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just life sometimes. And so um, I thought probably the coolest part of the job outside of that was I actually lived at my parents' house um, in Hooks. And so I stayed at the house and uh, we did the laundry there in the, in the laundry with my mom. My, my parents run the concession stand. So it was truly uh, get back home and spend time with my family and, and be there every single day, which obviously now I've never, never lived back home since, since then. And so uh, you know, I always cherish that year. And yeah, when they knew it was over, um, you know, same thing. I was in the same boat of, Hey, God, God will take care of me. And, and I uh, got the call from coach Maisie, who was our pitching coach at TCU that uh, he had gotten a head job at, at West Virginia. And so I went and met him down at the A&M regional, uh, when they were playing those guys and, and I met with him and, and uh, took the job to go to Morgantown, West Virginia. And <laughs> what a journey that was. Yeah, it, it's uh, and and just to be clear, we I we everybody involved loves James Henry Russell and and just did a phenomenal job taking over from the cluster that that the old president had kind of left it in, and um, we we obviously all appreciate him and, and appreciate you know the the run that you guys had in it. I I do want to know it. I mean, you did a lot of good things. I remember you had Alumni Day. We, we all came out and just so many, just just legends, man. Like. 
that just just really good people that we had all heard stories about. Um, you guys did a great job. I remember watching you. Um, actually, one of the my favorite memories of you, and one of the only ones I have, I guess, is you were well, we came to the Eastern game, and John Phillips, who's another Hooks boy, kind of kind of screwed something up, and I remember you just getting all on him, and uh, you know y'all ended up coming back and winning. I think Eastern had a big big like six eight shortstop maybe go to Texas or something. I don't really remember, but um, really good game. And, and just, you had a really good team. I think Caleb Adams and some of those guys were on that team and a lot of really good players. And, uh, you know, we obviously wished it would have, would have kept going. If you, if, if they don't close down because the academic um, distress or, or not academic, but athletic uh, and financial distress, do you think that you would have stayed there for a while? Is that something you were enjoying at the time and uh, kind of, I mean, I know it's fun to play what if, but you ever think about what would have happened if you if it hadn't have got shut down? Yeah, no, I, I think I definitely would have, to be honest with you. I, I was enjoying it. I was hoping to build something up and start making runs to hopefully Grand Junction and, and build it up and uh, and then figure it out. And so, like I said, it was – it was uh, you know, that, I, I wasn't – I mean, I was sad for myself a little bit because now i got to go and my staff to go find jobs and everybody landed on their feet. And, and I feel like, you know, when you work hard and, and you do things the right way that – um, it, it works out for you. And so, uh, but no, definitely. I, I would have never sought out to go to West Virginia. I would have never sought out to, you know, if Maisie would have called me and said the same thing and I could have remained in Texas and, and uh, still be the head coach, uh, then, you know, pro- probably would have stayed. But um, like I said, it's, God's got a crazy plan. And so uh, I, 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 I listened to him and, and uh, moved, moved 22 hours. And so, uh, but yeah, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, you, uh, you miss those times and all the stories. And I went by I think last Christmas and saw they, they tore down the dorms and that was, that was like a heartfelt moment because there's so many memories of uh, spending time in that parking lot and hanging out with the boys and, and all the stories throughout the years. And so, uh, yeah, maybe one of these days it'll come back, but, uh, yeah, TC created some legends and, and uh, coaching ones. And then also a lot of, a lot of players that, that moved on. And so, yeah, great, great times there. And, and, uh, but yeah, West Virginia is where I head. So you, you're headed to Morgantown, and, and what will be forgotten in all of this probably even just 10 years later, and as we continue 10 years from now for sure, it's a it's a good time to be a Mountaineer, though. I mean, they're moving to the Big 12. They're getting a new stadium. They're maybe partnering with the with the minor league program there on the stadium. I mean, there's a lot of buzz, and Maisie's coming in and getting a different kind of player. One, one thing I really always respected about you you know, anybody that knows me knows me and Cameron Forte. I mean, we've been best friends for, for 20 years and he's the best man at my wedding and all that stuff. And somehow, I don't know how you were able to pull this off, but you end up taking your best friend with you, um, Trevor Durham. He ends up going to coach with you at West Virginia. So, um, you know, you're a long way from home. You, you've got your childhood best friend or one of them with you. And uh, you, you guys do some really good things at Morgantown. So kind of take me through that and kind of those two or three years there you had there at West Virginia and the transition of going from a, 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 a up and coming to, to a big 12 player in, in the, in a, in a small time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a really cool journey. So uh, yeah, coach, coach Mason, Hey, fly up, sign, sign your paperwork. He goes, go check out the field and, and just promise you they're, they're building a new one because what we have right now is not very nice. And so, um, and then we need to go recruiting. And so I met up back with coach Matlock, um, he had left Texas State to come be the, the recruiting guy and pitching guy there as well. So, uh, you know, and so I knew I had a, a guy that was going to go go battle on the recruiting. And, and, and more importantly, I was still learning. I honestly had only had, you know, one semester of recruiting experience in Texarkana. Um, and so to me, that was when my recruiting experience just went through the roof. Understand how to 
how to go in different areas that you got zero connections in um, and go find great players and, and try to get them to Morgantown and sell sell this vision, sell the Big 12. Um, and in the North, honestly, they, they weren't they, – they didn't – you know, down here, if you go, hey, let's go play in the Big 12, every kid wants to go do that. And in the North, it was more the ACC, even the Big 10. So you had to sell – you know, you're playing Texas and playing Oklahoma and, and playing these schools, and then so it was a it was a full uh, full sale, and then you didn't have the great pro the, the great facility to walk through. Um, you just you know sold them on pitchers and things like that, and so um, it, it really led me to, to what I could be as a recruiter and, and uh, taught taught a lot with like I said with Coach Matlock, and so uh, but yeah, I was there. My my uh, my wife now girlfriend at the time we got engaged my first semester there, and uh, she she moved up after. After the first season, so you know we we started our uh, married life there in Morgantown. So it's it's we got some great friends there and a special place. And Coach Maisie's crushing it. But uh, yeah, year three, I'm sorry, year one. You know, picked to finish last. I don't think they made the the, uh, the Big East tournament the year before we got there. And so now we're going to the Big Twelve, thinking, man, what are we what are we gonna do? Like we're you know we got to figure this out. And, and and I'll be honest with you, we had some really good players already in our program and. Um, and then we, we brought in some great guys as well to, to mix in. But, uh, you know, Harrison Musgrave was our Friday night guy, turned into an absolute monster Big 12 pitcher of the year. Um, and then uh, Bobby Boyd was our center fielder, made it deep in pro ball. Um, Billy Fleming made it triple-A. Uh, John Means was our Sunday guy. He's with the Orioles now. And then Ryan McBroom has been, uh, you know, with the Royals. I'm not sure who he's with right now. Uh, but we had, we had multiple big leaguers on that team already. And so uh, we just put them into a great system. And, and uh, Coach Macy did a great job building the culture there, and I think that's where I saw some some really big stuff in my career, understanding how to take over a program, how to build a culture, and how to create expectations. And so, uh, year one, we finished third in the Big Twelve, and uh, and and almost made a almost made it to the Big Twelve championship game. It was a pull play, and and uh, we beat Oklahoma State on on a walk off, and then we had to sit there and wait, um, you know, wait to see if we'd play, and ended up not making it to the championship game, but. Uh, but yeah, then it started started rolling, and then the next year I had a lot of expectations, and honestly, kind of failed a little bit. So now you you you, you take that into the notes from a coaching standpoint, and then yeah, our volunteer uh, Daniel Cart, who uh, was a phenomenal guy, he was just with the Cubs um, in their scouting department. Uh, he left, and we were looking for a volunteer, and I know I knew Trevor was trying to figure out kind of his path as well. So brought him up, and and that yeah, you talk about a fun year as far as being with your best friend and coaching in the Big Twelve, something I'll. I'll never forget as well. And so, um, yep. And so we were there for three years. And that next semester is, is when I got the call from Coach Harrington to uh, the hitting job was open back in Texas. And, and uh, you know, me and my wife wanted to get back to Texas and, and uh, try, to, try to start a family. And, and uh, so we moved back there at semester for the, uh, the spring 16 season. So you, you, you've been at Texas State. You've been in Texas your entire career outside of this stint to West Virginia. You get back to Texas State, and now seven, eight years later, you're still there. At what point does this start to feel like home? Uh, obviously, I would say now San Marcos is probably home, you know, uh, more so than Texarkana to you probably. Um, at what point does this start to feel like home? And kind of take me through your transition. I mean, there were some different titles and different roles. I mean, you're working for a great guy, and, and there's just, you know, whatever's going on and, and you get bumped to associate head coach eventually and you're getting more titles and you get more responsibilities and ev eventually you become the next head coach in 2020 at Texas State. So kind of take me through that run of um, you're an assistant, an associate, then actually the head guy and kind of the whole situation there. Yeah, so kind of like leaving 
uh, Houston go to Texarkana, you know, one thing coach uh, wanted me to coach third. He wanted me to run the offense. Um, I did the hitters at West Virginia, but didn't get to to run the offense or coach third. And so, like I said, another kind of change. And, and obviously back in Texas was a big thing for us. Um, and so, yeah, you get back here. Now you look back and, and eight years later, now it's, it's, it's year 10 overall for me. Yeah, this place definitely feels at home. And so it's a special place. And uh, you get the river running right through the middle of campus. And, and uh, you're not going to find a better place to wake up every single day. And then you throw all the baseball and the athletics and the university with it. Um, it's just an awesome place. And so it definitely, definitely is home. It's been, been home for a while. And, and, uh, and so we're, we're, we're loving it here and excited what we're doing. But, yeah, through, through the journey, we had some good teams, um, had some good years. And, uh, you know, just trying to – we kept trying to just get back over that hump. And they hadn't, hadn't won a championship since 2011 uh, when I got back. And so, you know, obviously you're trying to get back into the championship mode. They had now moved into the Sunbelt Conference, which is a really, really good baseball conference. And it just got even more elite with the teams we just added in. Um, and then, yeah, 2018 got named uh, the associate coach and recruiting guy. And uh, 2019 was just the year it all kind of came together. And I had a really, really good pitching staff. All three starters on the weekend got drafted. Um, and it was really good. You'll probably see a couple of those guys hopefully make their appearance in the big leagues in the next couple of years with Nick Fraze with the, with the uh, Blue Jays and Hunter McMahon with the, uh, the Twins. And so uh, re- really good arms, uh, some really good players. Offense was uh, just a really tough offense, and they were just kind of just never, never let you breathe top offense, could really run the bases, could really hit, uh, do a lot of different things. And so um, it matched it up all together and won the championship there in 19. Um, then Coach Harrington, who I – Everything in my coaching career, I give him credit for because he took a chance on me back in, in 2009. Um, and, and the one thing with Coach that, that you always learned and you always saw was he was so adamant on doing things right, doing things the right way, and be a great, be a great human being, being very professional, and just do things the right way. He had very simple roles, but it went a long way. And how you treat people as, as a coach um, is really important. I think the one thing – he always kind of taught me, and, and I've tried to take it and run with it, is you, you got to know these kids, not just as baseball players. You got to know them as people. And we start that in the recruiting process. But I think sometimes when they get to your campus and the stress of winning, you start, you know, trying to – you only talk to the guys that are helping you out sometimes. And I try to stress to my staff daily on, hey, we've got to talk to number number one guy on the roster and then the number 40th guy on the roster just as much. And it doesn't matter if they're having success, if they're starting for us, if they're red, whatever it might be. We've got to talk to them all the time, and not just about baseball. I always caught myself as a younger coach of just every time I talked to them, it was about their swing or about their backhand or whatever it might be about. And so now, you know, I, as a head coach's perspective, I try to talk to them more about, you know, just life more than, than just baseball. Because I know if, if they know I truly care about them as a person, I truly care about them as people, they're, they're going to understand. They're going to play even harder for us because of that. And I think that's what our job is. Our job is to – Yes, make them better baseball players. Make them give them a chance to get drafted. Give them a degree, but making them better people and making them ready for uh, to be a husband and a father. That, that's what this whole thing's about. And so the wins are awesome. All the other things are awesome, but that's the most important part. And that's something Coach Harrington really taught me uh, to make sure with with all the other coaches I had as well. But um, obviously, being with him for so long, it was really fun to see. And so, yeah, he he decided to retire. He wanted to sit on you. There you go. No, we're good. We're good. And uh, I got a phone call coming in, so we're good. But, uh, but yeah, then he decided he wanted to retire. And uh, he, uh, he, luckily, I got the job. And so that was, a, you know, not really knowing again. It, was I going to get it? Was I not going to get it? 
if you don't get it, you're probably going to have to go get a different job. And so, you know, just one of those things that you just, as I talked about before, you just put trust in the big guy upstairs and he took care of us. So, uh, you know, and then put a great staff together, kept two of the guys that were already on the staff and added a coach Blakely uh, to come in and be my recruiting guy and, and uh, got off to a 14 and four start um, in 2020 and thought, you know, this, this thing was really easy. And uh, of course COVID hit. And so you're dealing with that in your first year as a head coach. And, and, uh, but like I said, I think, I think the best guys out there take every situation you're in and, and you learn from it. And so, you know, like, just like every game, you either if you lose a game, you can either lose it or you can learn from it. And so we're trying to learn from from every situation, good and bad, to make sure moving forward, we have all the tools to continue to be successful. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of my first stand into getting the head job and, and then into the first season as a head coach. So you hear all the time people talk about associate head coach and whatever. So when, when that job's open, I mean, like have you you've obviously probably had extra responsibility as being the associate but like did you feel like you had a leg up already being the associate when you went into those interviews or or does it is it one of those things that doesn't really mean what you think on the outside it didn't really mean next in line or or did you feel like that helped the whole process when you went to the interviews yeah i thought it meant you know the next one to possibly get the opportunity um and so i think it's one of those things you get the title and and um yeah i think it's important but you know, I think the biggest key was, and I've told these guys thanks a million times, but if it wasn't for the 2019 team, there's no chance I'm sitting in this chair today. And so to me, it, it depends on what kind of success are you having at the time. Um, and we started to turn the, the turn turn this program into what we were all trying to get there to. And so we won it in 2019. In 2019, they spent $65 million on our on our um, on our athletic department. We got a new locker room. We got new new weight rooms, new offices, new training rooms. Um, and so now the recruiting was picking up because now we actually had unbeatable things outside of our great ballpark that we already had to walk them through and, and to sign great players. And so uh, that's why our success is today is because our recruiting has just went through the roof um, of signing great players. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the best thing was I just knew kind of like in Texarkana, I knew the program A to Z. I knew what we could continue to do different things to make it even better. Um, and my vision of seeing that from, from you being assistant coach and, and seeing things we had talked about, you know, with Coach Harrington as well about, you know, how, how do we get there? And so knowing the players, trying to keep that intact, coming off the championship season, um, you know, and, and the whole time I was just hoping that they understood of how hard I worked and, and more importantly, how much I love this place. And I didn't want to leave these players and I didn't want to leave this university. Um, and I wanted to keep doing what, what we've already built. And so, uh, you know, luckily – uh, they, they made that decision and uh, hit the ground running, and, and uh, here we are. Take me through the run last year. H- historic, I mean, from, from, a, from a, you know, and I don't mean this disrespectful mid-major, which I'm sure you hate the term, but from a mid-major standpoint, the most successful season ever, I think. Um, just, just did some things that um, will be probably, unfortunately, hard to recreate ever. Uh, you, you're you're a few outs away from um, going to Omaha, um, and I say mid-major. I mean the 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 a uh, lot of Sun Belt first in there, a um, lot of a uh, lot of as they've progressed and kind of turned this into P five stuff. That that feels unimaginable at times to do what you guys were about to do. Um, actually, a, a, a former Sticks guy, Trevor Haskins, unfortunately with a big hit for Stanford. Um, kind of take me through that run and, and, you know, as you guys are looking to get back and turn turn one historic season into a, 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 the goal, the, the bare minimum every year of, of 
playing in that winter go to Omaha game. Kind of take me through that process from last year and kind of what you guys are looking forward to as we get ready for 2023. You know, I think it, I think it's really important to go back to 2021. Um, and so when you go from the COVID year, you're 14 and four, you're coming off a, a championship season the year before, obviously everything gets shut down. Everything's different in, in baseball in the world and everything. And 21, that what a lot of people don't realize is we actually set the school record for losses that year. And I, mm. I, I talk about it all the time because it's, it's, it's our journey and it's who we are. And, and uh, you know, to me, it's the same thing from, from the mid major. It doesn't bother me when people say it because I mean, it is what it is. And so we're going to overcome that and, and go make it happen. And so, but yeah, 2021, we thought we had a great team. We got really hurt. We got really banged up, uh, lost some, some key guys early, uh, lost a guy for 37 games with a handmade injury. So, a lot, of, a lot of things culminated with it. Our culture wasn't as good because we we're trying to stay apart and test negative every week. Just a lot of things that, that you go into. And so when we got beat in the tournament um, on the way home, I, I just had to first look myself in the mirror and try to figure out, hey, I, this, ain't, this has never happened again on my watch. And so how do we get better? Uh, we turned hard to the middle game with Brian Kane, brought him in and, and worked hard on our guys and dealing with adversity and, and uh, reestablishing our culture and, and making our culture better and understanding that there's going to be adversity every single year and obviously brought in some some new arms and uh, new players and, and all the above and so but the key is we had a lot of return too. Um, a lot of guys that played in 21 played in 22 and so uh, yeah we rolled into it and and uh, you know got off to a good start Twiffle House stayed at home went on some winning streaks biggest key is we went out to Arizona and won two and three uh, two and three on the road out at, out at Arizona they were number 10 so all of a sudden like man we, we might have something here and then we had a double midweek that next week with Texas. Lost on a uh, in the ninth inning. We had bases loaded and lost at home on Tuesday. Went went up to Austin the next day and uh, beat them in a, in a great in a great battle with with those guys when they were number one. And so you know that's 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 three wins in a week against top ten opponents. And so yeah, the confidence just started steaming. And uh, you know we rolled through conference and each week you kind of waited on the letdown. We got beat two or three of Georgia Southern at home, which obviously hosted a. A regional and so uh that was kind of the, the hardest week for us we lost to AM and lost to those guys and our guys just kept responding which is what we talk about all the time and just kind of kept going and uh, <laughs> you get to the end of the year and and uh you know luckily we didn't have hardly any injuries through the whole year uh where people were out um a long time and so we stayed really healthy but you know we we ended up winning conference and uh winning 26 games in this conference is just unheard of and and because uh, it's just so good top to bottom um, end up setting the, the school record for regular season's wins. And then, you know, probably the craziest one, Chase, is we went 15-0 and on the road in conference. We did not lose a conference game on the road. and First time ever. First time ever. And so, and, and that's, I mean, it, I don't care who you're playing. You're going to lose at home, on the road. It doesn't matter. Our, our conference is so good. Our conference is so good. If you don't play well, that's the beauty of our conference. You get beat. And just the tenacity and the grit and the, and that's truly where I noticed our culture and that one of our core principles is toughness. Our guys were tough. They never, they adversity hit all the time. We'd be down in the seventh, all the above. It, it didn't matter. And I think we ended up winning 23, I think it was 23 or 24 games where we were trailing in the fifth inning that year, the year before we only won 21 games. So, you know, just the, the mindset of these guys were just uh, unheard of. Of course, we had great players like Dalton Sheffield, who was the player of the year already in AAA with the Twins. Tristan Stivers, who was the stopper of the year in the entire country, uh, you know, gonna he he's gonna pitch in the big leagues, I'm sure. Um, some really good players, you know, we get we got guys coming back that are projected top rounders, and so it was really talented players. Don't get me wrong, players 
players lead this whole thing. But I was more proud of how they bought into what we were asked them to do culture-wise, toughness-wise. Um, and so, yeah, we get to the end of the season. We got beat by Lafayette in the, in the tournament, uh, but knew we were going to, uh, to a regional. And um, set all these records, and boom, they sent us out to uh, the Stanford Regional, which I was excited for. I'd never been to Stanford. Respect their program like crazy. Uh, we're going to head out to Cali. And more importantly, you know, it's just we went out there and we were playing, you know, two California schools. Uh, Binghamton was there as well. Obviously, we didn't play them, but we didn't really know those guys, you know. When you're playing Texas and A&M, these guys, these guys play summer ball with them. They play them throughout the years. You know the names. Going out there, you know, besides just hearing them on Twitter or whatever it might be, you don't know their personnel, you know. You just know, hey, they're they're obviously number two in the country, so it's a really good program. And same thing with Santa Barbara. Um, and so we head out west, and, man, I couldn't be more proud of how they played. We won the first two games, um, got into the winner's bracket. We're 2-0 and and, and uh, unfortunately dropped the Sunday game. And then winner take all on Monday. Um, we started our closer, Stivers, and uh, he, he had a heroic effort and uh, ended up throwing seven innings as the closer. And uh, did a phenomenal job. We got a hit in the ninth. We were up three to one heading to the bottom of the ninth. They, they went back to back home runs on us, and uh, and ended up walking us off there in the night. So a uh, truly heartbreaker. But yeah, that 2022 team is going to go down to history as the the best ever do it. And so, uh, but I can see that in this year's team. I can see that when they walked in the doors. Although we set every record possible we could, there was still that emptiness. There was still that that emptiness of hey, we didn't get to that super regional because we would have hosted it. And so. Uh, it, it's just it's just fueled this team, and so who knows what twenty three has in a store. But uh, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, you are probably satisfied with what you did last year, and that's definitely not the case. We got that hunger to one get back there to win another championship in the Sun Belt, um, and then get back to that opportunity to try to just keep knocking down doors uh, that this program can be. Because if this place goes to Omaha, this place is going to go nuts. So tell me, you know, you're in that weird spot as a head coach of where you you are a mid-major, you're in a great, great, you know, G5 conference. But, like, now every time you take the field, whether it's Stanford or number one Texas or number 10 whoever, you feel like you can win. And you're having to do that now 24-7. You know, we both know that, like, some of these SEC schools, they'll lose on a Wednesday and go, oh, I don't matter. We threw our number eight, you know. And then they try to focus on the weekend. Your your focus seven days a week is is now feeling like it's it's a it's a letdown for anything, but but probably winning every inning more so than every game. And that that's a really uh, a testament to what you guys have built because it's not easy to do. It's not easy to have the bullets to save your best guys for the weekend because those quote unquote matter more and then still compete during the week, and especially with the guys you are playing. So uh, tell me about it's really fortunate a part when you get there and you can feel that way every single day, you think you're going to win every Wednesday, every Tuesday. Um, but you know, to go 15 and 0 on the road last year and, and to just to do the things you guys did, but to also just do the things you did out of conference and never falter on, you know, you never brought your Friday. I say never, I mean, almost never, cause I don't have all the data, but you never, you never played off from the conference. You know, you'll see some guys go, Hey, we'll bring our Sunday guy to close it out on Wednesday or, Whatever. I mean, you guys played straight up one one a million games, and um, now you have some real program standards of hey, we're going to win every time we take the field, and that's a tough spot to be in sometimes uh, when you when you don't have the same bullets as everybody else on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think every year, you know, last year there was zero expectations. Right, you're going in, you set the school record for losses. You know, nobody's on the on the preseason Sun Belt team. Nobody thinks you're going to do anything, and then. 
we did what we did. And so this year, to me, nothing ever changes. You know, people are still, you know, and, and as coaches, we got to use this motivation, right? And, and granted, so we lost five everyday starters on offense. We lost our closer. And so now we're not as, you know, projecting and projections are, you know, it's fun to look at, but obviously they mean nothing when the season happens. So of course we use that as motivation. We use that as, Hey, like people are going to doubt you. People don't think we can do it again. So let's go prove them wrong again. But yeah, people are going to know who we are and, and we're going to have that target on our back of, of winning the sun about two of the last three years and, and uh, beating some of these teams. And so, yeah, we've got a, the biggest key to me is it all starts with recruiting. We've recruited great players. Uh, we've built a, a bullpen and, and a pitching staff that that's really deep. And I think to be really good, you got to do that. And so offense is going to go up and down. You got to pitch and play defense to be really successful. And I think we got a chance to really do that. Still got to figure out some roles. Um, and so, yeah, you know, last year, I think only one time we brought back uh, some starters in that second Texas game because it was a five game week. And obviously you're facing number one on the road. You're going to, you're going to pull out all stops to win that one. And so, uh, so sometimes those double mid- midweeks get you, get you deeper in that pen. And so, but yeah, we're hopefully to be deep enough to where maybe we don't have to do it, do that this year. But uh, you know, the goal is to win games, and so yeah, it's a different mindset because people know who we are, and and uh, people understand we've got a great program. But um, like we talk about, that, that needs to become the norm. And if you start worrying about the outside noise of what people project or what people do, or or you know, people don't think you're good enough, whatever it might be, you just gotta you gotta win days. You gotta win days. You gotta win games you got to win innings you got to win pitches and so we try to just play pitch by pitch moment by moment not the game get too big try to stay as neutral as we can um as players and as coaches and uh, just go attack each day the same because the most important day is that day you've done you've done a phenomenal job in recruiting and and you know and that has been a couple years we've kind of went more atlanta um just because that's what the industry says i kind of have to do but you know when we were playing in texas a little bit more couple of years ago, especially those LB21 teams. I mean, you know, there'd be a good player. I mean, like Dylan Pena is one of the best amateur players I've ever coached against in eight years of having the sticks. You know, you look up and, and somebody just be such a good player. and You go, hey, where's he going? And they'd be like, Texas State. And I'd be like, damn, good for Trout, man. There, there, there's all these guys that maybe, you know, because Texas is, you know, 22 hours long across. There's these guys that might not be as ranked as high or whatever. And, and again, rankings are whatever. But, but like, that doesn't mean they're not talented. And I think you're going to start to see some of those guys this year, the Kyle Atkinsons, the, the Pena's, and some of those guys that you've worked really hard to turn over every rock. And um, I, I know you, you might have lost five starters, but you got a lot of good players coming back. And um, it, it'll be exciting to see to see what kind of year you guys have. Yeah, no, I think it, with everything, recruiting is the most important. We can be the best coaches out there, but if we don't have the best players to go to work with, um, you know, the, the, the recruiting is what it's all about. And so – uh, you know, that was uh, important to me when I got the job, I had to have somebody to, to crush it on the road and uh, to be out there all the time. And that's why I hired coach Blakely. He was head coach at Ranger for a long time. Uh, came here as a volunteer for one year and then was at RGV for a year. Um, and I knew his passion for recruiting and more importantly, how good he was with it. So, um, the guy's on the phone 24 seven at every game, just constantly just trying to find guys. And a lot of credit goes to him. That guy spends a lot of time um, away from his family, signing these great players and building these great relationships. Um, and then, of course, Coach Massengale and Coach Cervantes helping out uh, with him. And so uh, th- those guys make me look really good because um, of how hard they work and how hard they sign guys. And so, like I said, now we've got great, great facilities to bring them into. And, and, uh, but it all goes back to those relationships, um, especially that Coach Blakely builds with them uh, to sign these great players. 
Last thing I want to talk about, just just really more of a personal question for me. You, you're a small town boy at heart. You you love to work hard. You um, aren't necessarily a bright light guy. You've had the best year in school history. You know, every time you get on Twitter, every time you open up an article, it's Trout's going here. This school wants Trout. And and I know you good enough to know that. Yeah, I'm sure if the Yankees call, you'll listen. But you love Texas State, and I know you do. Tell me just how different it was to, to all of a sudden, um, every time you turn around, I'm sure you're having to answer to, to your kids or whoever. I mean, it's just it was undeniable. Baylor, these jobs are open. And um, I feel like from afar, you, you wanted to stay in San Marcos and you signed a new contract and all that stuff. But tell me how it was in, in, in the circle of life, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years into your career. You, you go from being a walk-on infielder that nobody wants to the hottest coaching commodity in the country that that's happy where he's at. Yeah, to me, man, this when you build something, it it, it becomes special. You spend ten years somewhere, um, you know, seeing it, building it, believing it, loving it, bleeding it, and so to me, you know, this this place is just on the cusp. And like I said, this this place deserves to go to a super regional. It deserves to go to Omaha, and and to me, like you're obviously going to stay somewhere if you feel like that's that's a possibility. If you feel like you have the resource resources for that to happen. And with what we have going on, we're, we're coming out with some new plans as well to enhance our ballpark. There's just a lot of excitement right now. And there's a lot of really good players inside of our program that I know and, and guys coming, coming down the way as well. Uh, that this, this isn't just a, a one-stop shop as far as, you know, one good year and then we'll do it again 10 years later. So for me, you know, it, it's really important that if you're going to stay somewhere, you see the vision. Our administration is so supportive on trying to make us the best baseball program in the country. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be uh, the mainstay and, and trying to be that name that's always in a regional and, and uh, finding a way to get to Omaha. So, yeah, it's always, you know, obviously flattering to hear certain things. But to me, it's about being humble. You want, you want to be somewhere you love. And uh, I know a coach told me one time, make the job to have the job you want. And so we've done that here. We, we made this the job we want because we built a uh, great relationship with our kids and with our community and, more importantly, uh, with, with all the facilities we have now. So this is a place that can be really, really successful for a really long time. So um, I love it here and, and just can't wait for this 23 season to get kicked off. Well, we'll wrap this thing up with a couple of questions that I ask to end every podcast. But but on the way out, I mean, I just want to say as, as a guy from Texarkana and, and a guy that loves baseball and, and pretends to be a coach, man, so thankful for everything you've done for this city and this sport, and really for me, I mean, you're, you're, in my opinion, a real role model for um, anybody that, that wants to have a career and, and, and kind of coach for a long time. You've done it the right way, and you've been good to me, and I can't thank you enough for our friendship and everything you've done for me, and, and it really means a lot, uh, just everything you've done. So I appreciate that, and I know you guys are going to do great this year. Well, I appreciate that. That, that means a lot, and, and like I said earlier, man, you, you don't do this without great people around you. I've had a lot of really – fortunate i've had great great assistant coaches i've had great head coaches i've had great um support staff a lot of people that that have been in my corner and treated me the right way so i feel like you gotta you gotta return that to everybody and so um and then most importantly we've had really great players on along the way so um as you know man you you can be the best coach but it's about those players and it's about what they can do and and they make us look good all the time so uh but i appreciate that and and once again I'm, i'm so fired up for what you're doing down there my my nephew's playing in your program. I got a lot of people that, that just every time I come home, well, I see a stick. So I'm like, man, there's there's Brewster doing his thing again. So yeah, we we try. They, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be for everybody. Unfortunately, I wish it was. It, it breaks my heart when every kid doesn't want to or can't play. But uh, we're doing our right to we're doing our our best we can to do right by everybody. So 
Man, got two questions we ask every coach, and then our five questions to end it, and, and you can make these answers as short as long as you want. We'll let you get out of here and go to practice. Uh, the two questions I like to ask every coach, and, and I probably know your answer on this first one, but give me the best player you've ever coached. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got to be old Goldie. Man, that guy was – I've never seen anything like it. And, and what makes Goldie so good is – off the field how hard he works it's not it's he wasn't just this guy that just showed up and was an unbelievable player that guy would hit on that in that cage by himself with the tee his entire career as long as he could and uh just a heart and, and i talk to him all the time obviously you know having a great relationship with him he tells me every year he goes coach I, i'm so worried and this is the nl mvp every year i feel like there's gonna be a young guy that, that wants to come up and take my job and the guy is, has been obviously the best player in the in the league this year um and he's, he's still as hungry and as dedicated and as detailed as I've ever seen. So, uh, you know, and like I said, he's just a great person as well. So Goldie's got to be my guy. And, and you'll appreciate this, and I hate to name drop, but but last night I'm talking to Grant uh, over at Paragon, and, and the first guy that I ever got to quote-unquote coach was that played in the big leagues was a guy named Brennan Donovan. And he actually, he told me, he goes, hey, Brennan's going to come on the show. And I was like, you know, great. He goes, hey, you need to ask him about his offseason workout. And I kind of laughed because everybody knows Brennan's a hard worker. And I was like, okay. And he goes, hey, for real, like he spent the whole offseason with Goldie in Florida. Like he says, hey, Goldie won MVP. Whatever he does, whatever time he's getting there, that's what I'm getting there. Whatever rep he does, that's what I'm doing. So I think as a guy that coached him more so than the name drop, I think you'd be proud to hear you know, a guy, a rookie that just won a gold glove, his agent say, hey, whatever gold he does is what I'm doing because that's the way to go. So yep. um, he, he's definitely set the gold. Second question I ask coaches, who's the best player you've ever seen out recruiting? You you might not have got him. You might have signed him and he signed. Like, who's the best player you've seen in your 10, 12 years of watching games in, in the summer and in the fall? Man, there's 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 a ton of them. I think it's cool now to, to go back and, and go, hey, that – you know, that guy's phone number is in my phone because I tried to shoot him a text and maybe responded, maybe it didn't. But, uh, you know, I saw I saw Bichette play. Um, mm. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of them. The Hicks kid with the, with the Cardinals, he throws 105. Uh, there's a lot out there. Uh, I, I love watching Alec Manoa with, with the Blue Jays. And I know he's still up and coming, uh, so he oh, might yeah. not be the best yet. But that guy, we had him committed to West Virginia. And, and then when I left, obviously he signed and was unbelievable there. But um, I tracked that guy with Coach Matlock for a month of our life, thinking we weren't going to get him, and then we end up getting him. And so, uh, really cool to see what he's doing um, in pro baseball. But yeah, you go you go to Atlanta and sit there, you're going to see a lot of future big leaguers just just roaming around. So there's there's a lot of names you can drop on that one. Well, there, there, there's a bunch of good players, and and the places like East Cobb and Lake Point made it easy to see. So, all right, we end every show with what we call the five moments of truth, which is which is essentially five questions. But moment of truth number one, give me the best advice you've ever received and who gave it to you. Best advice probably from my dad, I'll be honest with you. He uh, he always just taught us how to work hard. Um, he was the guy that when we struggled, he he was just, hey, it, I'll never get I was 12 years old. I struck out three times in, in one of our games and hooks against a really good pitcher. And, uh, you know, get, get in the car and you're crying and, and uh, you're upset because you, you felt like you let everybody down. You're embarrassed. And he goes, hey, just stop. Like, what are you doing? He goes, if you don't want it to happen again, I'll see you at 6 a.m. And we talked about living next to the, the high school baseball field. He was in the cages at 6 a.m. the next morning feeding that machine and getting after it. So he just go, hey, man, if, if you work hard enough, and I, and I try to get this to my team, if you just work hard enough, it's going to work out for you. So uh, my, my pops was huge in that and, and still in that, not just myself, but my brother and sister of just try to outwork everybody. You're not going to be the most talented, so you better go, you better go to work. 
Yeah, definitely some good advice. And you'd be amazed that we talked to all these successful people and, and it's amazing how many, every, almost every one of them say the best advice is from their dad. So yep. it's amazing just the, the, the culture when it, it sets that age, that early, like a 12 year old that, that they remember when they're a long way past 12. I don't, I don't know how, you know, you, you look like you're 20, but a long way past Come 12. On. So um, best, uh, best uh b- biggest mentor you've had in your career either personally or professionally yeah i, I gotta go with coach slosh nagel um i actually go to folks coach slosh nagel obviously um just kind of showed me how to create a program and and what he did at tcu and of course now at AM. he's just an absolute legend he'll be the one of the best to ever do it um and so he's number one and then coach harrington was the other one just because he gave me so many chances and more importantly we worked day to day together on all those things and i talked about the the, the things i learned from him so uh, those two guys have had, had to be the best um, as far as role models for me. Following up, number two, we take it to the other side. Let's say tomorrow you get a head job with the Yankees and, and the AD comes to you and he goes, hey, I need the best up-and-coming guy to fill your shoes. Give me the best up-and-coming guy in your profession that, that's next in line to deserve a big job or the next name we'll hear about for years to come. Whew, yeah, there, there's a lot of them, man. I, I think the beauty of our game right now, uh, and you see why college baseball is so good. Everybody's working so hard in recruiting and getting out there. And, and I don't know if that was same that you know the same thing ten years ago. And so everybody's just getting out there and crushing it and going. And so uh, you know I, I, I got to give it to, to Coach Blakely. I'll be honest with you. I just see it from a day to day how how hard he works in the recruiting game and how good he builds those relationships with with our guys and with our recruits. And and uh, that's why we signed you know, record, record breaking classes at our, at our program. And so, um, he, he's a really good one and, and it goes back to that work ethic. Well, we appreciate everything coach Blakely does for the sticks as well. And all those relationships he's built with our guys recruiting M- moment of truth for, give me your personal goals and or professional goals for this year. Yeah. You know, for me, it, it kind of stays the same each year. You know, we have our team goals, but you know, personally for me, I, I just want to show up and be the same guy every day. You know, I try to be really high energy, uh, when you come to your field, you're hopefully seeing me bounce around and, and have that energy. But, uh, to me, I, I want to be the same guy, no matter what, win, lose or draw. Uh, when I show up to the yard, when I show up to practice, when I show up in front of our kids, um, I, I don't judge them based on if we're winning or losing. I judge them based on having just a great day every day and every day is a new day. And so, uh, to me, that that's the goal. And, and, uh, to me, just give our guys the answer, um, you know, to, to whatever they need to, to be successful, uh, that game or, or during the season. Um, and then hopefully, you know, make a really impact on their life, make an impact that when they, they, they come back to alumni games in 15 years, they remember those values and the things we're trying to teach our guys um, that, that we try to live out right now as, as college students. Uh, hopefully they take that to their lives and hopefully that impacts them um, and then they pass it along to somebody else. Well, you guys are, you guys are definitely doing a good job at that. So, I want to end it with this. We started this whole podcast to be a part of change, and, I, and I'll be the first to say I don't always know what change looks like. But um, the, the last moment of truth is, is, is uh, you know, the, the way the world is and just how everything's going, you know, how can we all be a part of change and leave this thing better than we found it? No doubt. that That's the key to life to me is make – no matter what you're doing, make it better, uh, you know, when you leave than when you got there. And so to me, um, the, the beauty of being a coach is we get to impact – you know, 40 guys every single year. And then you get to, you know, impact fan bases and crowds and all the above. And so just trying to be that positive role model 
uh, you know, to kids wanting to get into the game. And then just just everybody with everything going on in the world these days, just trying to be that positive light um, and, and just to help to. To, to create change because when, when change happens, man, this world can be a beautiful place and, and uh, that's what it's all about. So trying to, like I said, just keep instilling it to, to the people you, you touch every single day and let that spread out and uh, everybody, everybody keeps doing their job. Uh, that's, that's when change happens. And so um, hopefully we do that on a daily basis with our guys. Well, I got a feeling you do, and that's why you have so much success. Coach, I, I can't thank you enough. I've taken enough of your time. I can't, again, thank you enough for coming on the Chase Brewster Show. If I can do anything to help at all, please let me know. And we wish you guys at Texas State all the luck in the world this year. Always, man. If you ever need something, let me know. I appreciate you. Appreciate what you're doing. And looking forward to seeing you uh, hopefully this summer. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it.